You're listening to the Gordon Damer Show podcast on 98.7 ESPN. It feels like the winter has been going on for like at least 90 days. How is this possible? It's only February 1st. How's everybody doing? This is the Gordon Damer Show. It is 98.7 FM ESPN New York. So much to do over these next two hours. Two hours in a row. Let's roll. The number you know, of course, 1-800-919-ESPN. 1-800-919-3776. I'm on Twitter, at Gordon Damer. Lots to discuss today. And I, I said this last week, and it usually would be the case even up until this point on a, a normal year, that the lead-up to the Super Bowl, anytime you have the two weeks, which is the norm, it's usually a little bit more difficult to find things. Now, at this point, you'd always be focusing on the game because it's a couple of days away. But usually at this time of year, you have to be maybe a little bit more creative. You have to kind of maybe go out your comfort zone a little bit, maybe make uh, pull a story that maybe might not get your attention ordinarily. But because you're waiting for the Super Bowl, it's all kind of talked out leading up with two weeks to talk about it. How many times can you go through all the, the matchups of the game or the storylines of the game? So usually this type of this time of year can be a little bit more challenging. Let's put it that way. There's always enough stuff going on, but sometimes a little bit more challenging. Well, safe to say that has not been the case this year for both good reasons and for both bad reasons, right? Last week this time, it was Eli's announcement of his retirement, all that entails, Jeter in the Hall of Fame and all that entails, and then, of course, everything changes on Sunday morning. There's the absolutely devastating story of the helicopter crash in Calabasas, California, Nine people killed, including Kobe Bryant and his daughter. And as we were – we've kind of touched on this all week, right, because it's that kind of story. It's that type of story that everyone will always remember when they first heard it, how they found out about the news. Everybody has been dealing with it all week because it's just got so many layers to it, so many levels to it. And all the levels, all the layers are just incredibly tragic, incredibly sad, and it's really unlike any story we've ever seen before. We've had other big athletes get cut down in their prime, but I don't think that any ever one to the level of Kobe Bryant, the iconic level that he was, not just to NBA players, to NBA fans, but the city of Los Angeles. Then you throw in, of course, the fact that his daughter was on the flight, the other people. I mean, it's just incredibly, incredibly sad. So unfortunately, as we're getting ready for the biggest game of the year in the Super Bowl, we've been dealing with what is going to be certainly even 32 days in, even on February 1st, you know, is going to be the top sports story of the year and probably one of the biggest news stories of the year as well. So in terms of last night, last night was the Lakers' first game, right? They canceled Tuesday's game or postponed Tuesday's game against the Clippers because it was just not the time. And, I, I mean, you look at how emotional people were involved in that game even last night. There, I think clearly, I don't think anybody is uh, looking at the NBA and or, or has criticized the NBA for postponing the game on Tuesday. That was absolutely the right call. But last night, Lakers get back at it against the Portland Trailblazers. Obviously an emotional night. I thought really well done by all involved. And I think Baxter Holmes, who wrote the story that's on the front page of ESPN.com, kind of nailed it because there's never really been a game like last night before, right? And the game was really secondary to the tributes, the speeches, all necessary, all I thought really well done. 
and you just think about all the layers of that story and it's just – I mean I, there's no other way – there's no other take to have that it is just so incredibly sad. And I thought uh, LeBron did an amazing job last night. I thought the Lakers did an amazing job last night. But, you know, I guess my one takeaway is, right, you you have the, the typical time for mourning. And then as LeBron said last night, at some point you are going to start to look forward. You're going to have to try to get back to some semblance of what is a normal life. I just don't see how that can possibly happen. Forget about for the, the families involved. That's impossible. Because those families now will always live their lives in two halves. What happened before the accident, what happened after the accident, and they will always be able to tell you what half an event in their life, either happy or sad, took place in based on that. But I, I just find it's going to be very, very difficult for the Lakers players, for the city of Los Angeles. I know that that's the first game, and this is, a, I guess, a time of healing it just seems kind of, if you're watching the images last night, not just of the players themselves and how emotional they were, but the scene outside of Staples Center, it just feels like that that's not going away anytime soon. And you still have events that are going to be involved in this story, either be a public remembrance or a public memoriam or the funeral itself, all these type of things that are still going to have to take place. So the mourning period is not by any means even close to being done. And I think that that's going to something that's obviously going to linger over the NBA the entire season. And it's certainly going to uh, be a part of the Lakers this entire season. And, and there's been so much time. And I'm not going to focus so much on it because I, I really feel like it's just too sad a story. It's just too depressing to think about. But I did think that I thought it was interesting for all the time that we've had to kind of think about it these five days. And there's been so much talk about what tributes, what's the best tribute. The Lakers doing things last night is a tribute. The NBA doing things at the All-Star game is a tribute. What's the proper tribute? I thought the best tribute was Damian Lillard last night. You know, you go into a game like that, an emotional game, and you figure, all right, Lakers are playing the Trailblazers who are just trying to maybe get back to 500. And here comes Damian Lillard in there scoring 48 points, winning the game, and just from the personality of Kobe Bryant, I think that that probably would be the thing that he liked best out of everything that happened last night was here was Damian Lillard not caring about what the narratives were, not caring about what anybody's feelings were on the night, but just going in there, scoring 48 and getting his team a win. So that's the, uh, of course, we've said it all week. If you want to get on Kobe Bryant, if you have thoughts, you certainly can get in on that. 1-800-919-ESPN, 1-800-919-3776. But I do want to kind of look forward and look forward to the biggest game of the year, right? Super Bowl 54 is now two days away. We get it tomorrow. Got to get through today, and then all the focus will be on 6.30 tomorrow night. And right now it feels like we kind of need this game, right? Something, something to look forward to, something to watch. And we can get into all the kind of typical points that a lot of people are focusing on about Andy Reid or Patrick Mahomes or the, the Niners running game. But there's a couple of things that when you have the two weeks, you have all these these bullet points that everybody kind of brings up. And some of them are true. Some of them are not. And the main thing to keep in mind, this game, nobody has any real idea how it's going to play out. 
The Chiefs could absolutely win the game. The Niners could absolutely win the game. And that's why you watch sports, because you don't know. Nobody knows. For all the people who will tell you, well, I know this is going to happen. It's all nonsense. But there are a couple of things that I've heard this week that I, that I believe are wrong. So I wanted to get into a couple of them. The first one is that the Niners' defense is going is this unbelievable defense and how the the Chiefs are going to be able to attack this defense I think is completely overblown now the Niners have a great pass rush but the idea that they they have this unbelievable all-time kind of defense I think people are viewing their defense like uh, the the Ravens defense or the Seahawks defense or, or one of these great defenses matched up against the great offense and I realize in terms of where they're ranked. I think they were ranked second overall, number one in passing. The problem is, I have watched them get scored upon. They gave up 46 to the Saints. They gave up 31 to the Rams. They gave up 29 to the Falcons. I've seen them get scored upon. And I think one thing that people make a mistake on, maybe I do too at times, is they take every single game and they make it like they're all kind of equal. Well, it kind of depends on who you're facing off against. So when you take a look at how the, the, the Niners have done against mobile quarterbacks, quarterbacks that can move, not necessarily out of the pocket that much, you know, not like, uh, I'm not saying Lamar Jackson per se, but just guys who can, can move around the pocket and are not stationary, it's been a different story. And they have given up points in games. It's not like they, they won the Saints game, but they gave up 46 points in the process. I think if they give up anywhere close to that tomorrow, I think they're going to be in a little bit of trouble. And the problem with all that is trying to find a comparison to the Chiefs because the Chiefs are clearly a unique problem. So I don't know if the Niners can match up with that speed on defense. Now, I expect the pass rush will get after Mahomes. And one thing that I think the Niners kind of have going in their favor that you might not think is that the the, the quick strike nature of the Chiefs offense, right? They score quickly, but they also have a lot of – sometimes they have a lot of three and outs, right? If things aren't clicking, especially early on in a couple of these playoff games, they're on and off the field very quickly. And that could benefit that pass rush because, yes, the pass rush is going to have to be relentless. And if the Chiefs were this type of offense that did control the ball and and even if it's the same – you know, based offense in terms of passing, if they had be, if they shown the ability long drives and that type of thing, where the defense was out there consistently, well, then I think the pass rush because they're not a blitzing type team, they pretty much go with the front four, and that's what they're going to go with. They could kind of get worn down over time, but the fact that the Chiefs are so of a of a quick strike offense, I feel like that could kind of play into the the Niners' hands. Chiefs don't run the ball. I think in the in the stretch that they had against the Texans where they scored seven straight touchdowns, they ran the ball in that span, I think, like six or seven times. They never run the ball. That's one of the criticisms of Andy Reid in the past, that he does not focus on the run nearly as much. They maybe do focus on it a little bit early on, but they kind of get away from it, and we'll have to see if whether or not that's the case uh, on Sunday, tomorrow. The other story, I think, that is getting completely overblown is the Chiefs' defensive turnaround. Have you heard about that one? Since November, they've turned things around. They've found themselves. They've had more trust in each other, this thing or that thing. Well, maybe that is true. Maybe that's all 100% true. But I, you know what else I know is true? Since November, they've played the Raiders, the Broncos, the Bears, the Chargers twice, the Texans and the Titans. 
not exactly murderer's row. The two best teams were the Texans, who that defense trailed 24-0 early on, and the Titans, who they were down 10-0 to in the first half. Now, they got bailed out. They they did uh, get things turned around, but that was largely because of their unstoppable offense. So I do think that the Chiefs' pass rush has been kind of maybe a little bit overlooked because I think that they might be able to get to Jimmy Garoppolo and just how much of a factor he is in the game remains to be seen because they haven't had to throw the ball, so they haven't thrown the ball. And I think they're going to have to clearly throw the ball more tomorrow than they have in the previous two games. But this idea that now the Chiefs have, which their problem was in the past, right? Not being able to, to match up defensively, per se. They, they've had this amazing turnaround in the second half of the year, and, and now it's going to be different, I think is completely overblown. And then the one that really, I guess, drives me crazy, Patrick Mahomes. Now, if he wins on Sunday, it's amazing. The first two years of his career are amazing. And they can match up with just about anybody in terms of the first two years, right? He's already got an MVP in the, in the, in the, on the trophy case or wherever he keeps it. And he will then have a Super Bowl title. Fantastic. And he has been a major reason why. And I realize we live in the world of Twitter and we all have receipts, right? We all have the receipts now. And everybody wants to be the first one on the band. I, I was saying this three years ago. Okay, fine. If he wins tomorrow, if he goes out there and throws five touchdown passes and the Chiefs win in a blowout, he's still not in the conversation for the greatest quarterbacks of all time. I mean, what are we t- God, I know we all want to be first. I get it. But pump the brakes. He's played two full years. And the first two years have been amazing. And if you want to say over the first two years of a career, he's in the, in the mix for the grip. Okay, fine. But that's not what people have been saying, at least not the ones that I've heard. Even statistically, the first two years of his career would not be the greatest statistical years of anybody. Now, could he be in the conversation of greatest postseason runs? That's fair. I pointed that out yesterday. When you talk about postseason runs, he doesn't even have to go out and, and have an amazing game tomorrow to be in that conversation. But the greatest quarterbacks of all time, am I living on Crazy Island? What is going on? Slow down. Enjoy it. But no, I don't care what he does tomorrow. He's not the greatest <laughs> the greatest in a sport where guys are here today and a lot of times gone today. Now all of a sudden we're going to anoint someone after two years of their career. Come on. You're better than that. 1-800-919-ESPN, 1-800-919-3776. So coming up, we'll get into the conversation about Patrick Mahomes and just where, if he goes out tomorrow and just plays a routine Patrick Mahomes kind of game, you know, 280 yards, three touchdowns, no picks. That's just, I think, a kind of an average game, right? I think the over-under on touchdown passes is two and a half. So if he goes out and has a typical kind of Patrick Mahomes type game, not even something spectacular, where he would rank in terms of postseason runs quarterback-wise in in all time. And uh, some other, obviously, talking points about Andy Reid. Does he need a win tomorrow to be a Hall of Fame coach? 
I think he's seventh, is it, all-time in wins? Does he need to win tomorrow to uh, get a, into the Hall of Fame? And then some other prop bets, obviously, a couple ones I like there, and uh, some other stuff, too. The amazing thing, that you know, this has flown under the radar because we're talking about the Super Bowl. We're a couple of weeks away from pitchers and catchers getting excited for that. You know, the Knicks have actually done something amazing, something that should have been impossible, and yet they've already done it. So we'll get into that at some point, too. I don't want to depress you too much. You're listening to the Gordon Damer Show podcast on 98.7 ESPN. Hey, let's go back to the phone, shall we? 1-800-919-ESPN, 1-800-919-3776. And our buddy Spike is in Jersey. Spike, what's going on, my man? Good morning, my friend. You made very good points there. I've got a couple of things to point out to you and one, one piece of advice. The uh, Kansas City Chiefs in baseball parlance remind me of the Big Red Machine or, or the 27 Yankees, which, contrary to public opinion, I didn't see live. <laughs> uh, but but that, 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 there's too much speed when, when you've got a guy like... Um, their fourth, third, fourth receivers would be one receivers on other teams. But here's the thing I want to tell you. I've been doing this all year. You use FanDuel, and I understand <clears throat> FanDuel now has that first touchdown score wins the bet. They just put that in. Yeah. It's not my business how much you bet, but it's up to 50 bucks. It used to be 100 And And, it, it, you know, they had it for the Army-Navy game, which I had no interest in. But uh, you have to bet the money line, and I put whatever I put on it. It's up to 50 bucks. And Army scored the first touchdown and lost 42 to 7, you know? Right. So, so my theory here is these teams are pretty tight. They're more athletic. They're more traditional. They're more, as I said, big red machine. They're more Chicago Bears if they're that good. Who knows? We don't know. So you might as well bet, you know, either one is to pick them. Kansas City's more likely to score the first touchdown. That's what I would think. And I think it's going to be a high-scoring game. And I agree with you. Everyone's saying, well, the second half of the year, well, they played nobody. But sometimes that doesn't mean anything. So if you can get that with FanDuel, check it out. I think, my friend, I use another um, uh, service. Okay. Yeah, service. And, and, and they've had that all the time. And I always bet it on the dog because, <laughs> you know, it's just such, it's, it increases your odds. I think the game will be close. But Sammy Watkins is the guy I'm thinking of. And he's not even a primary and he's damn no. good. Yeah. So, uh, so there are a lot of guys. It could it could really be any of them. There's a lot of speed. Yeah. And their secondary, Richard Sherman's not what he used to be. I yeah, mean, that is the one concern I kind of have about the Niners. Like, can they match yeah. up with the speed? Not you're not going to do it every yeah. single play. They're going to have plays where they, you know, they get a big strike and maybe yeah, they, they can take away take away Hill. But uh, Hardman does something, or yeah, you know, Kelsey does something. Things. But, yeah, I mean, the speed overall is a concern. No yeah, question. one more quick thing on the Knicks. This is my point. I hope I'm not stealing your No, thing. go ahead. Marcus Morris was their one commodity to trade to get a decent pick, and now you can't touch a guy. Well, no, that was not going to be my, pet, my point. I'll get to my point, and it's far more depressing than that. Trust me, it's far more depressing than that. But, uh, you know, the Knicks with the, the situation that they have, I mean, it's just it's amazing. It's amazing where you thought you were last year at this time and what you were willing to put up with. And now you're in this season where you have 33 games left, and the next most important date on the calendar is whenever the NBA draft lottery is. That's not that's not a good sign when you're getting ready for the Super Bowl, and when the Super Bowl's over, you know, it's a sad time in the NFL because then, you know, you look ahead to mock drafts, you look ahead to free agency, and especially if you're a fan of a bad team, this is the exciting time. The season's when you're depressed. But at least now, if you're a football fan of a bad team, Jets and Giants included, 
This is the exciting time. You can look at mock drafts. You can look at the, this guy's a free agent. That guy's a free agent. At least for the, for the Giants this year, you had a coaching search. You put a staff together. You got to feel good about that. But in terms of the NBA with the Knicks, there's not a lot. There is not a lot. It's, a, it's just the dregs of the season. You're just ticking off the days until the draft lottery gets decided and maybe the Knicks get a little lucky this time. But you know what? It's even bigger than that. But we'll get into that a little bit later on. Let's not depress everybody right out of the box. We like to do the depressing stuff in the second hour. Second hour. 1-800-919-ESPN. Matt is in Marlboro. Matt, what's going on, my man? Gordon, good morning. How you doing? I'm good, man. What's up? Good. So last weekend, real quick, uh, about the Kobe thing, I think the only way to compare it in terms of a player being come deceased this early, I thought of Roberto Clemente and I thought of Thurman Munson. Yeah, I wasn't, I, a lot, I wasn't aware of Clemente. I was, I was, uh, what was that, 69? Is that 72? Uh, you know, I, I was born yeah. in 86. Yeah, so I, I was not really aware of it. I do remember Munson, and that to me as a kid was a huge one, but Munson was not at the level of you know a a visibility that, sure. that that Kobe was, but no, I remember that I was I think uh, I was eight years old. I remember watching Eyewitness News and Roseanne Scarmadella, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> being just gutted, just uh, you know, because when you're eight years old, that that's not especially at that time. Maybe it was just because I was eight. It, death was not something you even thought of possible at that point, you know. So sure, yeah. I mean, I guess that those would be to me the Kobe thing is much more of a. Um, it's much more of a celebrity aspect, like you know, when um, you know somebody of that ilk dies, Princess Diana, or somebody along those yeah, lines. Yeah, it's a Prince worldwide impact. Michael, yeah, honestly. absolutely. My friend who works for NBA Corporate in Secaucus, his whole work schedule got turned upside down. Not in a bad way, just yeah, he couldn't course. believe it. I no, texted him over the weekend. He was like, oh, my God, like, I don't even know what to say. But anyway, I'll give you the smartest bet you're going to make all Super Bowl. You ready? Okay, give it to me. I'm looking. An interception for six, a pick six, because both teams are wearing red jerseys tomorrow. What does that mean? I don't get it. That means that a quarterback is going to look at a red jersey. They're gonna oh, okay. All right. Yeah. Three. All right. Yeah. Well, no, I mean, somebody uh, will be wearing white, right? I don't know who who's wearing. No, didn't the Chiefs no, want to wear? It, it, they both are wearing they're both red? Wearing, they're both wearing red jerseys tomorrow. That is the smartest, probably best bang for your buck bet. Mm, you know what, Matt? I, I kind of like that one. That's not terrible. That's not terrible. I remember the wasn't the Chiefs one of the ones or was it the Niners? Somebody was asking to wear like the white throwback jerseys. And the league said no. I didn't realize that both teams are going to be wearing colored jerseys. I gotta, I gotta verify that. Trust but verify is my motto. And I have been looking at a lot of the prop bets coming up. I'll give you a couple of the ones that I like. And no, it's not the national anthem and it's not the coin toss. The, the strange thing, little known fact about the coin toss: if you bet the coin toss, one eight hundred gambler calls you. They just say, you know what, this guy, we've got to to touch base with this guy, see how he's doing. You're listening to the Gordon Damer Show podcast on 98.7 ESPN. I do have a Net Picks and Chill review for this week, and it will focus on one Ty Butler. If you listen to the show on Saturdays, you know that Ty has made a suggestion to me. A show on Netflix called You. Unbelievable. He said second season was incredible. And it has this, I don't know if you said that it has a thing that is going to, is going to blow your mind, but I, I said two episodes, I believe it was two episodes in that I said, I feel like there's a, a plot twist that I can see coming from a mile away. 
And I think I texted you during the week that uh, I was absolutely 100% correct. I said it was. It had a fascinating twist. Mm. The second season, yes. unlike the first, mm-hmm. uh, because, you know, you kind of saw what was coming in the first season. But this one, the average eye would not have drawn this up. But you're smarter than the rest of everyone else. Right. I'm ugly, but I'm smart, according to you. That's Well, you know what? I'll take that. Because <laughs> well, usually have most something. people tell me I'm ugly and dumb, so uh, it's not so bad. you got to have something, and I guess if you could choose one, not necessarily. You, would, you would choose the intelligence, right? Well, no, I take I take the looks. I take the looks if I could. So you'd rather be good-looking and dumb? Yeah, I think so. A lot of dumb people get fine, by, fine in life. You know, ignorance is bliss, right? I would love to be ignorant. I'd also love to uh, not have all these feelings. As you get older, I, th- I thought that I would eventually become uh, cold and, and dark and that I, these things would not bother me as much as they do. But I see like old pictures of my kids where they're like, you know, like uh, Facebook puts up like, oh, remember this memory from five years ago? And it's a picture of your kid when they, were, they still listen to you. And you're like, oh, I thought that that would all be over by now. Time hop? Yeah, I just need I, I need like a, some sort of uh, Novocaine for feelings that you feel inside, not like nerves. I need actual feeling Novocaine. They have so that I just stop feeling everything altogether. They have drugs for that, my friend. Well, maybe we can investigate. That I know after some the show. people who know some people. All right, good. Well, it's good to have a guy. And by the way, Time yeah. Hop has been good for our relationship. Has it? Yes, because I'll take a screenshot of some bad take you had three mm-hmm. years ago. I, I don't believe you've you. ever sent it. I don't believe you've ever sent me anything like that outside of the Giancarlo Stanton point when you were arguing at that time about how the Yankee season. I don't remember what the point was, but you had to. It had absolutely, literally nothing to do with Giancarlo Stanton. And you brought up a tweet that I had when they made the trade or what it was rumored to be a trade. I said hard pass. How, how do you feel about that trade now, two years in? Uh, Would you listen, still have made that trade? Listen, listen. It was a trade you had to make because mm. they didn't give up much. Right. But, well, uh, but what you gave up was the ability to make other trades. That's the one thing you gave up. You didn't give up anything in terms of talent. You knew that, right? Because they just wanted to get rid of that salary. But what that does when you lock in that contract for from now, I believe it is until kingdom come, you realize that you're not going to be able to – take anybody else in that that spot that you are going to have him now for the rest of your life correct all right so correct is that you regret that now yes all right 1-800 wow that is a big moment i I want to time hop on that moment where ty butler actually admitted he was wrong oh my god that is that is doesn't happen often no 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 not the admission i'm talking about me being wrong no no the other thing that you admitting it is actually it, it kind of stunned me wow Oh my goodness, I can't believe what happened on the show today. Take the rest of the day. I might take the rest of the day and just, woof. Can I walk out right now? Oh my, I I never, words people never thought they would hear in their lifetime. That's my Marv Albert. (laughs) It's about as good as my looks. 1-800-919-ESPN is the phone number. 1-800-919-3776. Let's go back to the phone, shall we? I was going to make another, oh, my review of you will come up later in the show and it actually will surprise you, Ty Butler. It'll actually surprise you, even though I figured it out. Let's go to Tony. Tony's in the car. Tony, what's going on, my man? What's up, pal? How's everything going? I'm good, man. What's going on? Nothing much. I want to touch base on uh, Tom Brady because everybody can't stop talking about it. Okay. I'm a diehard Jet fan. I think I speak for all Jet fans. Let that guy retire. (laughs) (laughs) Get him out of here. Right. You know? And that's number one. Number two, he ain't going anywhere. He's not leaving New England. He's done too much for that organization over the last 20 years. They're not going to just cut him loose like that. That's number one. Number two, if he does go, he's going to be a fraud. Because then we're going to prove that he's a system quarterback and he can't win no place else without Bill Belichick in that system. 
Well, I don't know. If that, I, look, the resume is the resume, right? I mean, like, you can say he's a system quarterback. Well, then by all means, everyone should be running that system. <laughs> Whatever system that is, give me a little bit of that. I find it, I do find it very hard to believe that he is going to go anywhere. Although I will say this, like, I hate Belichick, but I respect Belichick. And if he is actually able to convince the owner who looks at Tom Brady as his son or one of his sons, and Tom Brady has done all this winning, and he's actually able to convince, you know what, this is the time to move on. Just from a heartless point of view, uh, as someone who wants his feelings to die, that that is impressive. That is an impressive, impressive game of being able to uh, just move on to the next thing. That's like uh, someone who, who fakes their own death and is just able to move on right away to a new life. Cuts off all their friends, cuts off everybody they know, and just, wow, that is impressive. That is impressive. Kenny is in Jersey. Kenny, what's going on, my man? Hey, what's up, Gordon, man? Good morning, man. Good morning. Hey, look, hey, Gordon, um, I had turned off the sports talk for the last couple of days, man. That Kobe thing, even though I wasn't, you know, I'm a new yeah, fan, that Kobe Can't thing take hit me hard. Yeah, I hear you. And because I'm a girl dad, it's the same as Kobe, four girls, whatever. So it kind of hit me a different way. But, uh, Gordon, was you in New York, man, back when Kobe was trying to force his way out of L.A.? Do you remember him saying, get me somebody to play with or just send me to the Knicks? Yeah, no, I remember that, yep. I never that's really thought that that was going to happen, but yeah, no. It, it probably never was going to happen. He was using it as leverage, but I respected him a whole lot more after that. And not that I became a Kobe fan, but I, I kind of, you know, I, I was big respect for Kobe after that because I figured he knew he was. Oh, we lost Kenny. Right. Oh, Kenny also lost his phone there. Sorry about that, Kenny. Uh, no, I mean, look, uh, you know, the, the story, that was one of the great stories, you know, of all the people and the TNT special that they had the other, what was that, Wednesday night that they had with Tuesday night with uh, with Shaq and with uh, Dwayne Wade and with um, Reggie Miller and just all the, the legendary people and, and Jerry West's statement about, when Kobe wanted to get traded to the Clippers and him going to Kobe and saying, Kobe, there is no way you can do that. There's no way you can play for that owner. And, of course, he's talking about uh, Donald Sterling at the time, not Steve Ballmer. But, yeah, I mean, that, that was a fantastic special. And I, I get it, man. Like, I did not want to – we focused on the Kobe stuff Monday, obviously, because you have to. And you continue to, to focus on things about it, like last night, the, the the fact that they had all the remembrances and all the tributes and all those type of things. But I, I get you. As a sports talk show fan, not just a host, I want to have – I want to be talking about, you know, fun things on the air. Now, there's times where real life comes into play and you have to focus on it, but it, it's just too sad a story. The levels of it. It's not just one level. It's multiple levels. It's the fact – that he was so young. It's the fact that he's this iconic player. It's that his daughter was in, on the on the helicopter. It's all these other families that were involved. It's just such a sad story that it's just too much sometimes to overcome. And I, I feel like one of the, the the focuses last night, at least from LeBron, was talking about not just Kobe and remembering him, but trying to move on. Man, I think it's going to be very tough for that organization, at least this year, to really put this in any way behind them to be able to focus on the the the, the basketball at hand. Uh, and maybe it's obviously it's bigger than that. It's life and death. But for an organization that does have hopes and, and dreams of winning an NBA title this year, and that would be certainly the ultimate tribute to Kobe, who was all about winning. 
that I think it's going to be very hard for that city, for that team, for that organization to move on anytime soon. 1-800-919-ESPN, 1-800-919-3776. So coming up, we'll get more into the Super Bowl. If you got a pick, if you got a prop bet you like, this is a time where I feel like you, the listener, could help me make money. That's the relationship I would like to have. So I've given you some of my prop bets. If you got a prop bet out there that you have some, like we found out, Ty Butler did some work during the show today, not just pointing out my flaws, that both teams will be wearing red jerseys, as I think it was Matt Marlboro brought up. So that's an interesting one. Maybe a little pick six action on a prop bet. But if you can make me some money, I would love to do that. And the number to do that, 1-800-919-ESPN, 1-800-919-3776. Now, if you come up with a prop bet and it loses money, then I will be calling you. Don't tell me – don't ask how I'll be able to find your number, but I'll be calling you at a different number. And it won't come up at 1-800-919-ESPN. You're listening to the Gordon Damer Show podcast on 98.7 ESPN. It is the biggest heavyweight title fight in decades as world champion Deontay Wilder faces lineal champ Tyson Fury live from Las Vegas. The two undefeated heavy hitters square off for the second time in the most anticipated rematch in recent heavyweight history. It's Saturday, February 22nd, 9 p.m., Live on pay-per-view, and Corey uh, already has a, a prop bet that he wants to give me. So let's go to Corey in the car. Corey, give it to me, man. Sir, we're going to go with uh, McCall Hardman, two-plus touchdown, sitting at plus 1,600 right now. All right. I, I, obviously, I like the uh, I like the number. Two-plus touchdowns, so he has to get at least two. Well, yes, yeah, so more than likely it's going to be just two. I mean, right. that's all you can Yeah, do, right? you really can't. You can't be asking for more than that, right? Yeah, see, I mean, look, I love the, the number of it. I don't know that necessarily that I'm going to be putting my, my money on that. It, the problem with that is, and there's there's a couple of them that, like, you like it from one side, but they just have so many options on offense that it could be – it really could be any Now, I think that the, the main guy that they'll try to take away the Niners would be Tyreek Hill. And not that they necessarily be able to take him away completely, but I think that that's the guy you have to fo- – you can't let that guy blow up the game. Like in the conversation between him and Kelsey, Kelsey can kill you kill you slowly, right, with, with catch after catch after catch. But I'd much rather have that than I would the quick strike of, you know, one play 50 yards. So I think that, uh, yeah, maybe Hardman does get loose. But two touchdowns, that's uh, that's a lot to ask. But uh, obviously the number's not too bad. The uh, number's not too bad. Speaking of numbers that are bad, and we'll continue to take your calls, if you have a prop bet for me that I can uh, make money, if you can make money for me, I'm I'm into it. So we'll uh, spend the rest of the show doing that at 1-800-919-ESPN, among other things. But we're talking about numbers that look good. Let's get into some numbers that don't look good. And that would be your New York Knicks. The Knicks the other night obviously have that uh, little get-together with the Memphis Grizzlies. People referring to it as a scuffle. People referring to it as a fight. I saw one description, I think it might have been the post, all hell broke loose. Now, that's not all hell breaking loose. That was a little pushing and shoving, and it really was not. I get that we're all so numb from watching the Knicks night in and night out, that if something like that happens, all of a sudden it seems, whoa, my goodness, there was some action. But it was really not the the be-all and end-all. And if you're a Knicks fan of a certain age, that, trust me, that was nothing. That was not a fight. That was not a, that was, I think that would qualify as a brouhaha. I think that that's where I would put that in the, in the, the range of, of, of get-togethers. I would put that as a brouhaha. No, 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 uh, no punches thrown. So it can't be a fight. But the Knicks, 
you would have to say, even with 33 games to go, they have done something that is truly amazing. Last year, they tanked the year. Tanked so that they could get the number one pick. Not criticizing it. I was on board. It didn't work out. It was a good process. Just didn't work. They traded away their franchise player. Now, you might say he's not a franchise player. Doesn't matter. He's their franchise player. And they had as bad an offseason as you really could have come up with. Right? So that combination, tank, trade away a player, and then take the assets which you thought you were getting from that, do nothing with them, and have a miserable offseason. Struck out everywhere. But the amazing thing that they've done is, is that this year is worse. Somehow, this year is worse. Now, record-wise, I'm sure they'll probably end up a little bit better. They got, what, 13 wins right now. They had 17 all of last year. I'm sure they're going to probably end up even being conservative. You'd have to say they'll end up with maybe 25 wins, 23 wins, somewhere around it. So that is more wins than they had last year. But last year, you had some hope. You had some some belief that, you know what? They can't possibly strike out everywhere, right? Like something is going to go well, and at least it will allow me to buy in. Even if it's flawed, even if it's not really true, at least I can buy into, hey, you know what? This is going to be the first sign of a turnaround. Now, the hope you had last year, clearly misguided, now that we know. But at least you had some hope. Hope that you'd land the number one pick. Hope that some free agent, some big free agent, would want to come here. But this year is worse. Now, I like R.J. Barrett. I don't think you know for sure what he is going to be. Even as much as I liked him, or do like him, I think clearly you would have more hope right now if you had Zion, or even if you had uh, John Morant. But this year is clearly worse because there is no hope. There's nothing that is pointing you forward and saying, all right, this is all going to work out. It feels like all they're doing really is just wasting time. They're not developing anything. They're primarily riding veterans to hope to maximize wins. And the reason they're doing that, you know why they're doing that, so that the current front office can claim that they deserve more time. You know, look, we won 17 games last year. We won 23 this year. And we won 23 with the coach that we had to get rid of because it was just so bad early on from where we started from to where we got to. And the scary thing is, is that whenever they do make their case, maybe they're making their case right now. I don't know. But at least from the people who are covering the team and following the team on a day-in, day-out basis, there's no indications that this plea that the front offices, I, I assume, have to make after the year, that the plea that they're going to make is going to fall on deaf ears. There's no indications that, 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 that are, the, the argument that they make to keep their jobs won't work. And if I told you that they decide to make some some move, like they'll bring in a new coach, right? It might be some some big-name coach, and they'll point to, well, this guy's going to get it turned around in a way that the previous guys were. There's more talent on this team than you think. And they decided to keep the people in place that are making the decisions right now, bring in some coach, even if you love the coach, even if you're 
head over heels for whoever that coach might be. I don't know, Mark Jackson, whoever. Would it shock you if they decided to keep the people that are making the decisions in place? Like, I get it. It would infuriate you. It might disgust you. But would it shock you? It wouldn't shock me. Not at all. And yesterday was the one-year anniversary of the uh, Christos Porzingis trade. A terrible trade at the time, even based on the idea or the hope, the pipe dream of landing a big free agent. You don't use your best player to clear out the cap space that you ruined by signing the player. You, the point is to use the cap space to pair with that young player that you, that then you'll be moving forward with those two pieces together or those three pieces together. So yesterday was the one year anniversary and, and I, I don't know how much Nick fans really believe this or not. I, I feel like there's a good portion of Nick fans, as I brought up before, that are just completely delusional and will buy, well, you know, they're so invested in the team, which is a great thing. They are the diehard fans in this town. Make no mistake. There was a time where the Knicks ran this town, and if they ever got good again, they very well might run this town again. Like the idea that it was, oh, this was always a Yankee town, that is not the case. In the mid-90s, it was all about the Knicks and their playoff runs and would they ever win a championship. That's who ran the town. So I don't know how much of a, of a real feeling that the that, that Knicks fans have about this at this point, but I saw that Tommy Beer, who's a great uh, Nick writer, writes for Forbes, other places, great follow on Twitter. He had an article on the one-year anniversary. He said the Knicks are the clear lo- – I don't remember what the headline was specifically, but it was along the lines of the Knicks are the clear losers. Does that make the Mavs the clear winners? And that's where it gets murky. It doesn't really get murky at all. It, it was clear at the time it was a bad trade. It was clear at the time that they could have maximized the ability to get something else back other than cap space, but they did that with the belief, and we now know the wrong belief, that they were going to land some free agents. But you know how it's clear that the Knicks are the clear losers and the Mavs are the clear winners? Is that if you took the package that the Knicks got back in the trade, and you took the package that the Mavericks got back in the trade. And you had to trade those exact packages somewhere else. Who would get back more? I get it. Porzingis has not shown himself to be a franchise player. And the contract that they signed him, what was it, $158 million? That's a contract that you sign as a franchise player. I, I get that. He has not shown the ability that he can stay healthy. He has not shown that he has, uh, he has the ability to uh, endure the rigors of a full NBA season. But when you're talking about the trade itself, if you took the package that the Mavs got and traded it someplace else, and you took the package that the Knicks got and traded it someplace else, which package do you think would get you more? I don't really think that there's much of a debate. Do you? I don't. 1-800-919-ESPN, 1-800-919-3776. And what's the most depressing thing of all of this, the, the reports that you do here, is that anything, when you were building this team for this year, It should have been with the mindset, well, look, any of these pieces that we get, if we can then move them before the trade deadline to get some more assets back, so be it. The hope has to be now that those assets, when they come, you get the chance to actually use those assets and draft picks, that somebody else will be making those selections rather than the people that are making them right now because they've shown no ability to, uh, to hit home runs on any of them. But the hope was that when you got to... The point of the trade deadline that you would take 
whatever you had of value and, and, and move that off, right? You're not going to build around these guys that you signed to these one-year contracts. But now there's reports that they're actually thinking of signing Marcus Morris to another deal. Like, what are you doing? This is not rebuilding. This is just standing in place waiting for the construction crew to arrive. This is the, 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 the structure has been torn down and there, there might be some lumber around. There might be some concrete around, but there's no actual rebuilding taking place at this point. So it's truly incredible. After a year in which the Knicks tanked, traded away their best player and struck out completely in free agency. That somehow this year is actually worse. That's hard to do. You're listening to the Gordon Damer Show podcast on 98.7 ESPN. Has there ever been a team that has entered a season, which by any measure you want to do, should still be kind of in that honeymoon period where there's still a good team, maybe a little bit down, but ever been in a weirder situation than the Boston Red Sox. Think about where the Boston Red Sox are. They don't have a manager. Doesn't seem like they have – maybe they announced something here before too long. But it seems like they're still kind of searching for who the next manager is going to be. They have no real timetable for when that investigation is going to be over into their use of electronics or whatnot and and – how hard they're punished. It certainly seems like they're going to be punished pretty pretty harshly considering this is the second time they've been caught and everyone was warned after the first time the Red Sox were caught, hey, don't do anything like this again. And then Boston went out and said, oh, okay, no problem, and then went directly back and did it again. Now, we don't have really the details, not at least as finely tuned as the the Astros allegations were. The Astros allegations were all out there for everybody to see. We don't really know all the ins and outs of the Boston Red Sox second time around on this issue. But it seems like they're they're clearly going to be punished. And you would think if you had to come up with any punishment at all, the fact that the manager's already gone, you'd have to think it's going to be a loss of draft picks, right? The, la- the, the first time that they this, they this happened, baseball came out, Rob Manfred came out and said that, that you're going to be getting punished by l- draft picks. We already saw that with the Astros. So it's pretty clear a team that is – you know, they still got some talent, but it looks like they probably need to rebuild or at least retool some and could be on the verge of a bad season and now going to be losing some pretty high-profile picks. So no manager, the investigation going on, and oh yeah, seems like they could very well be on the verge of trading away their best players. And not just one of their best players, they clearly their best player and one of the best players in baseball. That is a weird spot to be in basically two years after winning a title. And I got to be honest, I really like the Mookie Betts to San Diego rumors. I like that far more than the, the Mookie Betts to the Dodgers. We don't need them going to the Dodgers. Dodgers have enough talent. We've got to spread the talent around in this league. Let them go to San Diego. It's a beautiful place to play, beautiful place to live. So let them go there. They have all those prospects they could load the Red Sox up with. You know, Heim Bloom is going to love all those prospects. But it does seem like of all the guys who have been mentioned as big name guys who could possibly get traded, Chris Bryant was one of them. Mookie Betts is one of them. Nolan Arenado is another one. It certainly seems like if you had to put your money on one of those guys getting traded before the season begins, you'd have to say probably Mookie Betts, right? 
it seems like that's just a matter of time before that, that at least in terms of what that report was during the week, and I don't know how true that was, that seemed like one of those things that the Red Sox kind of got out there. Well, he wants $100 million more. What are we to do? And he might want to get out of there. That might be true, too. But it just seemed like that report. Well, he wants – we were offering him $300 million. He wants 420 What's a team to do? Well, he is one of the best players in baseball. He's a multiple-time all-star. He's a guy who is the best player that you have and probably have had in quite some time. I don't know. You're the Red Sox. You could, You should be able to pay him. But if they're going to move him anywhere, I would prefer – if I had a vote, I don't. But I would, I would ask, you know, move him to San Diego. That's a better place than the Dodgers. We don't need them to deal with the Dodgers. And speaking of Arenado, did you see that? There was a, a report – not a report, but the Odd Shark came out with the odds – of the the favorites to land Nolan Arenado and the Yankees were number one. Could you imagine? Could you imagine you you wake up, you know, you're getting ready for spring training, Garrett Cole, this, and then all of a sudden, nah, I don't think it's going to happen, but could you imagine? Not just from the Yankee fan point of view, but from the Yankee hater point of view. That would be delicious just to see all the Yankee hate. Oh, not fair. They're getting Nolan Arenado too. No, it's not fair. That would be great. That would be... I think that's the word – is the word that the kids use triggered? I believe that the uh, the Yankee hater would be triggered. I believe that that would be the uh, appropriate use of that term. But it is the Gordon Damer Show. It is 98.7 FM, ESPN New York. We've been focusing a lot on the, the Super Bowl, in case you're just joining us. Really going out on a limb there. Focusing on the most important game of maybe the entire year. And for me, you know what really impacts me is – and what worries me about this game is how it impacts me further down the line. Because I root for a terrible organization. And we all say that the NFL is a copycat league. So I would not doubt whatsoever if my team and the Dolphins are making major decisions on the direction of their franchise based on who wins this game. And if the, the Chiefs win this game, what's the takeaway? Well, you have to have the transcendent talent at quarterback you have to be about having that kind of explosive offense. And that means that you know that the Dolphins, whether it's the right pick or the wrong pick, sitting at number five, are going to take whatever quarterback's still on the board. <laughs> that is such a, such a mistake. So I'm actually kind of rooting for the Niners from that point of view because they're the balanced team, right? Not just having the talent at quarterback, although I think Garoppolo is a good player. I don't know necessarily that he's a great player. But they have balance on offense, on defense. They do things well, and they're effective on offense, and they do what they're effective at. It's not just about, hey, let's just run the ball. It's about they have all these backs. None of them, they didn't invest anything really all that highly in any of them in terms of draft picks. If I don't think they drafted any of them. So to me, that's the blueprint I would much rather my team follow. Go into the draft, look for foundational pieces, look for players in positions that other teams spend their money on. That's what foundational pieces means. It's not about going out there and getting a safety or going out there and uh, you know drafting a running back high up because you want to establish the run. No, it's about looking at maybe a left tackle because they take a long time to do, take a couple of years to really come up to speed or looking at pass rusher or shut down corner. All these positions that the actual NFL teams actually spend money on. So that's why I think at least a part of me is also rooting for the Niners on Sunday. And I think that I, uh, I still think I like the Niners. I don't know whether or not I have the guts. Even after two hours of radio 
and listening to call after call after call telling me about how the Chiefs are going to win this game easily, uh, I don't know that I necessarily believe it. But whether or not I'm able to bet against Patrick Mahomes uh, remains to be seen. Remains to be seen. All right, so one last thing before we uh, shove off here is the uh, television show You, which Ty Butler, our net picks and chill pick, I guess I could give it a thumbs up. It would not be nearly as... I'm not as nearly as pumped up about it as other things that I've watched and liked, but I will have to give you credit, Ty. You told me to watch this show. It was two full seasons that I invested in it. The second season was better, and I guess I would give it a almost like my my Niners pick, a slight thumbs up, a slight thumbs up. So does that make you feel good that uh, I, I gave you the approval that you were looking for? Yeah, but I, I also wonder how much of this has to do with the harsh criteria you use. You're measuring it up against like all-time great shows because I know how in Not love you are with Breaking Bad, which well, I would agree is the second best show of all time. Second best? What's the best? General Hospital, oh of course. Oh, um, I feel like you measure people. everything up against. Do you see what I'm dealing with? Breaking Bad. Do you see what I'm dealing with, people? Which is tough. Like well, nothing's ever going to live it, up to that. No, of course not. And no, it would be unfair. It's not like I'm saying, well, it was not as good as Breaking Bad, so I don't like it. It's it's especially in a streaming service like Netflix, you have to have something that makes you really want to watch the next episode right away. You you're, you're getting on the binge train and you just want to fly through it as fast as possible. Our pick from a week ago, don't mess with cats. That only three episodes, but that had that definite binge worthy quality. This, it was good. I watched it. You know, the problem with it is, and it's a problem with a lot of these shows, it's also a problem with the TV show Ozark, which is also on Netflix. They devised these shows with the Breaking Bad model in mind, where Breaking Bad did have big, surprising, shocking things happen. But they earned those big, shocking things by building up to it over time. A lot of these shows just look at the big, bold, shocking things that happen and they do them at a rate that's unsustainable. So it's kind of like you get conditioned to realize, well, big, shocking things are going to happen. So then you're sitting there while you're watching to say, all right, what would be the most shocking thing? And that's how I figured out the big plot twist from season two. Well, for me, it was all about character development. And, you know, without trying to give it too much away, I saw something happen that I did not expect. Now, I know you said you figured it out in episode two. Yes. I did not expect that to happen at all. And then once once it's all over with, you kind of go back and revisionist history, and it's like, well, I now I could have seen that happening. But at no point did I ever figure out uh, the character in question would turn out to be who she was. Wow. In the end. Well, you really kind of gave it away there by saying who she was. There's not that many female characters. Well, I guess there's a couple. I guess there's a couple. I just felt like when I went into it, I knew after watching season one, big, sweeping, Ozark is much worse at it, I think. And people love that Ozark. Oh, have you seen Ozark? Yeah, it's just the crazy. I love Ozark. I know, but what's the craziest thing that's going to happen? And then, you know, two minutes later, it's going to happen. And it's constant. It's constant. It wasn't as bad as that. And I liked it. And if one season, they said season three in 2021, like as if you're, you you're marking that on your calendar. Like, hey, guys, you, you, when you get in the third season, you let me know and then I'll, maybe I'll watch it. I don't know where I'm going to be in life at that point. Can I give you one? Sure. What's that? Six seasons long, though. What is it? How to Get Away with Murder. No, absolutely not. I watched 15 seconds of that and people, you have a lot to explain for yourselves, people. 
You have a lot. That is that's a show where they are saying to themselves, "We have to have something happen every thirty seconds, otherwise people." Are I completely out. disagree with you. And judging by the motto you use about binge worthy and you know having to watch the next episode, nothing screams that more. Than how to get got how to get away with. with I don't murder. know how people get away with recommending shows on the radio. That's what I would. I think that Ty Butler has to stop recommending shows on the radio. That's the problem. And maybe I'm uh, I'm feeding into it by allowing you that airtime. But you liked the last one. It was okay. It was okay. It was not. You know what it was? Also, it was not as bad as I thought it was going to be. Good. And I thought it was going to be terrible. That's good. All right. You're listening to the Gordon Damer Show podcast on ninety eight point seven ESPN.